same in China, China, different, different stories. stories. We are the ones that found our way, 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 way in a new life. Yay! Okay. I always like when there's a countdown, but there's not a countdown. But we've started recording. This yeah. is Adoptees Born in China podcast. Took a little bit of a breather while training and running marathon in New York City, which was my third time. But before all that, I was like, very excited to speak with Lindsay today because actually I think I met Lindsay we met way back I want to say we met way back because and you were speaking at an event with the founder of AKA also known as and you were sharing and asking questions about like returning to China I was like whoa this person is like very much connected to like her story and I was like it'd be really cool to talk with her obviously not before she goes to China or like right after so I was like I don't know I'm excited to talk to you because then we also found we have other connections too that I was like whoa okay I'll let you talk I'll let you talk now I was like this is a long intro I love I love this intro and I feel so <laughs> safe to see you and so happy to see you and all of I feel like we have so much in common and so much that we've mm-hmm. gone through and so I love all of the intersections and I mm-hmm. I do feel I feel like we probably met before then but I'm glad that we that was a mm-hmm. a big moment for us to to really delve in deeper um and yeah I first congrats on the marathon you kicked yes. ass I don't know if you'll edit ass out but um <laughs> <Okay>. you did <laughs> you did an amazing amazing job and it is truly so incredible to watch and you inspire me and I'm quite jealous um but truly inspired maybe one day (laughs) (laughs) I know I think so last time we were supposed to talk we and record I I personally had like a meltdown that day so I was like we're gonna just talk instead it's okay but yes you actually came to see the marathon or well I guess you came and watched part of it uh in my neck of the wood like in Queens and that was really like I would say that was like the highlight of the whole entire race. It was a little bit more than halfway. And I saw you and Katie and I was like, whoa. Uh, and then I was like, let's let's hug you guys, forgetting that I was probably all sweaty and wet. But hey. <laughs> hey, the raw, vulnerable Tara exactly. is the better Tara. Um, and we embrace you in all of your sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes. Um, would it be helpful to introduce formally introduce myself? Sure, yeah. I always like to start with share more about yourself and a little bit more about your adoption, what you feel comfortable sharing. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. So hi everyone. My name is Lindsay Geyer, also known as Tuting and Xiaoying Yan. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a Chinese international transracial intercultural adoptee. I was adopted from Hongzhou, China, or more specifically Shashan, when I was nine months old. And I grew up in Vermont, and I currently am based in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And I've been in New York probably for about eight years now. Um, so yeah, it's feeling like I'm almost a true New Yorker status, um, but it's been a really wonderful journey so far of learning to love New York and learning to explore just different parts of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, for, yeah, my relation to China and being an adoptee, I think that we all go through, or some of us tend to go through, or I should speak from me, I've gone through moments of assimilation, reclamation, this consciousness of really trying to look more critically. And I think for uh, where I'm at now, it is this continuation of 
lots of questions and leading with curiosity of whether my roots or sort of the systems that we're all a part of. But it's been a wonderful journey so far. And so from a personal side, I think for my relation to China, I'm also looking to to learn, embrace. I've been back recently twice in the past six months, which is an incredible privilege in of itself, um, but with weighted emotion and lots of grief oh, yeah. nonetheless. And um, in terms of adoptee community groups, I, I am I'm the president of also known as as well. And the first yeah. Chinese president, which is is very special uh, to sit in this seat. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that you were in New York for eight years now. Yeah. Ah. Okay. I was like, for some reason, I was like, I thought you were relatively newer too, but no. no. <laughs> Maybe uh, my did... math is wrong, but I think that's right. That's I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Did you come to New York for um, Vermont directly? Like, for did you come for school, or did you just like, come because you're like, I want to go somewhere new? Well, to be honest, I I went to school in upstate New York, and then I moved to the city. And I did not want to move here. I really did not. I felt like New York was very hot. Um, there was always lots of water falling on you that I never knew where it was falling from. <laughs> and it was quite stinky. And there were tons of rats everywhere. And so for the first really year, probably, I was really not sure if New York was forever for me. But I remember there was this one moment in time on the subway where I was just looking around and I just saw all of the diversity around me and the mm -hmm. homogenous environment that I grew up in, the the predominant race being white. Um, I think that there was maybe only one white person on the train and everybody else was a person of color. And so mm -hmm. I really felt like that was this catalyst moment, probably in that first year I lived here of feeling so seen um, and also not feeling like I was sticking out. Mm, yeah yeah I think that like makes up for all the other aspects that you mentioned because <laughs> mm -hmm. like, uh, I think that was a big drive also for me to come here it was like uh an area that's like more diverse and new what year are you at now in New York in your New York journey I would say just past three years but I don't know if I count that as much because it was like I came in 2020 and things were still closed and I pretty much shut down for a good like year I want to say that it was coming in so I feel like it's only been two years or like one and a half years where it's like the New York experience quote-unquote um yeah where like trains are indeed crowded again rush hour time because <laughs> I definitely got used to not having to like crowd into a train or like be pushed together like sardines yeah and now, yeah now you have that true experience oh, yeah. um, but you have definitely earned your New York stripes. You <laughs> lived here through the pandemic, which that in of itself was such a precarious, unprecedented and challenging time mm -hmm. for, for the world. Um, and so, yeah, you deserve your your New York stars. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Fair point. It's like I am very familiar with many parts of the MTA, but there are still like, I also don't always commute during rush hour. So I feel like I get that reprieve that not everybody does. Some of my commutes are at the very off hours where there's nobody there and you have a seat or like a whole a whole road to yourself which is yeah but that rush hour traffic it's kind of wild and then you have like people directing you and they actually have little posts and stuff that like direct traffic around uh like your 
like a car, but it's actually people. Do you have <laughs> a favorite train? I really do like the D train because it goes from like, what is it? 59th Street all the way to 125th Street Express, uh, which really <laughs> works out when I watch this one dog. So <laughs> it's like, whoa, Very this convenient. train. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, I didn't realize that you grew up in Vermont, which I definitely, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is like that is an area that probably isn't too diverse. Um, even even like the city center, is it is it Burlington? I don't know if that's right. Yes, yeah, it's Burlington. Yeah, Vermont. Again, I only knew what I knew at the time, but yes, it is, I think, probably the whitest state in America. Um, it definitely oscillates between like Maine and West Virginia. Um, mm. but at the time, you know, I think to grow up in nature in Vermont was really special for me. Um and now I joke about Vermont. There's so much I love. I probably won't live there again one day, but mm. I call Vermont. There's four special bees, <laughs> the four bees of Vermont. And so you got one Burlington, Bernie Sanders, Ben and Jerry's <laughs> and, beer. <laughs> and beer. Okay. I definitely was about to, I was like, oh, so do you like Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a follow-up question, but yeah, yes. I was like Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but growing up in Vermont was so interesting. I feel like it's your stereotypical organic place. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I grew up with some adoptee community in Vermont. and oh. But I also at that time, I probably wasn't appreciating it as much as I probably would now or do now around mm. adoptee community. But upbringing family is always so interesting for adoptees. And I think growing up, there was a lot of changes that were happening in sort of this idea of a nuclear adoptive family. And so Mm -hmm. Vermont, for what it was, um, I can objectively see it as both very positive things, but also some some challenging obstacles and really moments in time that have shaped where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because when you were adopted, you were pretty young. Like, were you a baby? Yeah, I was nine months old. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so my parents, yeah, they came to China and adopted me in 1995. 1996 is when they came. Mm -hmm. Um, Were you adopted with, like, a group, too? Like, were your parents a part of, like, a whole other group? Oh, okay, so there was, like, other, okay, yeah, yeah, I feel like that was, that was, like, the thing. Yeah, so my my parents and their best friends, another couple, um, they, my godmother, she had asked my parents if they were interested in adopting, since actually both of them were trying to figure out what um, their their family plans looked like. And so my parents decided to travel with them and the four of them and a larger adoptee, um, adoptive parent group also traveled together. And some grew up in Vermont, and those were the ones that we typically would have um, week-long sort of celebrations, whether around Chinese culture or even just coming to certain places and doing activities, whether um, mm. boating, the beach, things like yeah. that. And it's been really nice now to reconnect with a lot of them. I think in oh, the past nice. in the past year, my or past year and change, my godmother actually passed away, which was definitely really hard knowing how 
close she was um, and intertwined with my adoptive story. Um, but it also served as this catalyst to also lean into the adoptive mothers, including my own, and then also some of the adoptees that I've I've known and, and grown up with and now reestablishing those relationships with yeah. some and in, in adult life. I actually saw one who was here visiting me in New York uh, a week and a half ago. And mm. so it was very cool to to re-meet in who we've now become. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's like a thought I was having recently of just like, well, just actually visiting family too. But it's like knowing what I know now and the work that I personally have done and like seeing these people from your like history essentially like it's it's like I don't know I don't know that how to describe that feeling but it was like kind of a nice relief in a way like oh I'm seeing these people who obviously are a core element of like my my childhood and growing up uh, but I also have been doing a lot of work outside of this so it almost was just like it's kind of nice to like revisit those people when in your like growth phase I guess that's what life is <laughs> mm-hmm. like this life Um, definitely yeah the opportunity to reintroduce yourself to people in these new evolutions or chapters of yourself I think is really special um especially those that have known you in maybe vulnerable states in which Mm -hmm. maybe you don't have the most proud memories or maybe it just was the person you needed to be at that time yeah yeah it's a it's like the person you need to be at that time. And that also sometimes will shift the people you surround yourself with too at that time. And sometimes they like come back and revisit in your life or sometimes they don't. And that's, um, I was actually catching up with like another adoptee who she told me, she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm moving to China. And I was like, Oh, okay. Do you want to talk more about that? It's like, I've been processing it. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to share too much, but I'm, that's kind of big right like you're moving to China but we were actually talking about like the grieving of like friendships to like communities that you find along your journey and it's like how it's like so hard to like break up in friendships but it's also hard to like maintain friendships when they like no longer serve the people in it I was like dang yeah this is like because we're getting older and we think about these things or what (laughs) I think that's a really interesting topic or or thought around growing in different ways and I think first of all it's very cool that your friend is moving to China and reclaiming Mm -hmm. that space takes a lot of courage Mm. I think a couple of years ago now I was (laughs) I love my adoptee therapist and I hope she's listening (laughs) um but I talked a lot about myself as a tree and I think from what I've heard from other adoptees as well there are analogies around trees or roots or things like that and I was talking a lot about how I'm the tree and all of these friendships or relationships are roots and I was spending so much Mm -hmm. time watering old roots or watering roots that maybe don't need to be watered as frequently or maybe are starting to decay in the way this in the ways that we're starting to grow apart from one another Whereas I really wanted to start watering the tiny roots to turn them into sustainable long-term roots. And so I think at that time, you know, we were talking a lot about we have these big sustainable roots and how do we make sure that we water them and revisit them every now and then. But they're so strong and sustainable that in many ways, if we don't water them for a month or every other month, it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they're not going to be a strong pillar for us in our tree, (laughs) Um, but they 
really just offer us this opportunity to recognize the the roots and path that we're continuing to take. And so that's been something I've carried with me a mm. lot recently of really trying to intentionally see who I'm pouring water into for those roots. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good analogy to what well, yeah, think about that. Um, it's like I saw, actually saw a mural. I think it was, was it in Williamsburg in New York, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And it was like, you are not alone. And it was a tree. I actually saw that at the same moment that I, um, I'll mention it, but I was like, I sent it to Katie. And I was, I think the timing of when I saw that and whatever was going on at the moment, she was like, this is perfect. And I was like, I think this is just showing like so much more. I, I'm a strong believer in like signs and happenings and stuff. Like I do think there are like sometimes are moments, like not everything's a coincidence either. I think Right. I was like, I don't know. I, I that could be how to how to word that because it, that that leads into I know you mentioned already because I usually ask if you like had interest in going back to China or like will you go back? And you've been back twice in the past six months, which I think in itself is like a huge journey in itself and going back twice, especially. Uh, but it just so happens that we do have a mutual connection, even with Katie too, like the three of us found out this connection. I'm not sure how exactly we found out about it, but I think it's when you visited, right? Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know. I could go backwards in time because that <laughs> yeah. was, that was recently back in September, but, um, oh, yeah. I, Maybe I'll, I could share sort of what had happened or how my first trip to China went. And then I think that builds into the ways yeah. that we, we met one another or met each other in this connection part. But I've been trying to go back to China now for five years. I started in 2018 and I had my first flight. And then I had visa complications in 2019, the year I was supposed to go. And so by the time I got my visa and passport approved and back, the trip had passed. And so from then I had a work trip um, that was supposed to be in March, 2020. And I was gonna build on some time to travel uh, to China afterwards. And we all know what happened in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> so, March, it, yes. <laughs> so it was, it was so hard. You know, I recognized wow. that there was larger powers of being that were in play and that everything that happened during that time in the pandemic was much larger than me and this return to China. But it was hard mm. to not feel like the world was against me. Um, looking back now, I think while it's been a long waiting game, long, long, long waiting game of five yeah. years, I think returning to China at this time really felt um, right. It felt like I had done mm -hmm. a lot of work to really set myself up with whether coping mechanisms, community, things that really felt like avenues of support in order to get me there. And so when China opened its borders in, I think like March or April, I was like, I've been waiting for so long. I have to do yeah. it. So I booked I booked in May. Um, and again, it has taken me five flights. And so of course, in May, the day before my flight, they canceled my flight. <laughs> and so oh I had to re rebook it for the next day. And so it was it was very hard, um, but I finally made it there in May and it happened to be the anniversary of sort of my adoption day. And I don't really observe it or celebrate it, but I, yeah. I really felt like it was such a, it was a coincidental time to, to be there. And I definitely planned it around knowing that that would be a sensitive time to go. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I think for me, it's been really difficult and challenging, but returning to China, um, it was full of different weighted grief moments, but, you know, dating back or thinking about that event um, of the fireside chat with also known as that you had mentioned earlier yeah. with, with the founder of also known as I really admire her and I definitely planned that event. Um, it was in early May and I was leaving mid May. And I remember asking questions of, you know, what is your advice that you would give folks mm-hmm. knowing that some of the other audience members were returning to their birth countries as well. Um, and the one that sticks with me that I keep trying to pass the torch and, and uh, give her her credit. Her name is Holly McGinnis and she's an adoptee leader, mm-hmm. scholar, um, and founder of this amazing community. Um, but it was to to be like water. And at the time when she said it, I definitely was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, um, like, what does that mean? <laughs> and and I could see it objectively, right? But to to sit there and, and to feel it, um, I was thinking a lot about how to be like water. I cried for for literally three weeks and every day for three weeks while I was in China. Mm-hmm. And so I think for when there were those moments of crashing like waves and almost like a tsunami um, and it being just so intense, um, letting, letting it just flow and leaning into it. And then also really recognizing when there's calm on the water and trying to appreciate even when there are trickles um, mm-hmm. and what, what that means too. It's been, yeah, an intense trip. And while I was there, I definitely leaned into the the birth search opportunity. And I'm happy to talk about that later as well. Mm. But when I returned in May, um, there was sort of information that I had received. And I know that's a privilege on that trip. And so that propelled me to go again in September. Mm. Nothing really changed. Um, but for me, it felt like a reclamation. And so when I landed back, um, I think it was like September 9th, I received a text from you. And I also received a text from the shared reporter who was helping me with my birth search. And it was like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I just got off the plane. I'm a little jet lagged. I don't know what time it is. And I was like, this is this is really special because I think to your point, you know, people show up in your life and maybe come to the forefront a, a bit more um, when you need it. And so I, I really mm. appreciated that the timing of it just felt very comforting. And I think we, we saw each other on your 30th birthday, just four oh, days yeah. after I got back um, and to meet both, both you and Katie, who we all have mm-hmm. the shared connection with the reporter. It was just so, so special. Mm-hmm. Oh, because how did you how did you actually come to know the reporter yourself? Because I definitely only knew of her because because of Katie. And I know like she shared a little bit about her story, but it was like um, it like was all happened circumstances, too, and like ended up being connected to this reporter. So through Katie's post and that's how we met. That's how I met this reporter who then was like, hey, you're actually from the same place as Katie. It was like, oh, okay, cool. And then with that information, of course, like developed my own like friendship there. Um, but how did you come to find her? Yeah, I I have done some passive birth searches dating back to like 2018, 2019. And as China opened its borders again, I just started and I, I kind of put it in a drawer and I put it away just because it was hard to feel like I, I can't do anything about this right now. And so 
when I had booked my flight, I started scouring everywhere. I was like looking mm. on Facebook and I don't use Facebook um, very often. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. I was firing up all these older chats or um, just kind of the groups that exist. And I found it to be such an abundance of information, but I was actually was quite angry at, at moments in time, feeling like there was such a a lack of process or protocol in pursuing any sort of search or even just returning. I, I felt like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. It was just, it was hard. And so I ended up searching like Hangzhou in it and I saw a girl, um, not Katie, but I saw another individual an adoptee who had mentioned she had worked with a reporter. And so mm. I had reached out to her um, and then she had connected me through WeChat to the reporter that she worked with and so I reached out to that reporter and she put me in touch with ah. our shared our shared reporter so it was just this like it's like um, a web of yeah yeah connecting and yeah exactly and so I think in maybe March is when I had reached out to our shared reporter and I had said hello I'm <laughs> Lindsay I'm an adoptee and I'm curious if you're still helping adoptees um I heard through the grapevine you are and so from there it really turned into this um, kind of like fragmented communication and then right before my trip turning into lots uh, more frequent conversation and then you know we've talked about this a lot I feel like now um, we've established such a relationship and so yeah. I I feel really it feels like this whole idea of red threads of fate um, yeah. and meeting her has been really special uh, we definitely have had our moments of cultural differences and the ways that we <laughs> approach course. things but she really has helped so many adoptees and so I I know she connected you and Katie which is so beautiful and I loved learning mm -hmm. and having the opportunity to hear from both of you um, and now she once again has I, I know we already were floating in the same circles but yeah really sharing just how much we're intertwined as well <laughs> yeah because I think she messages like there's a girl in New York that um is here you might know her and I was like probably I don't know <laughs> like <laughs> it just so happens to be you but I was like yeah I think something she wrote something like it would be nice for you to help support her or encourage I think she said it would help for you to encourage her and I was like what does that mean by encourage her but to translation so I was like okay she's like oh, can yeah. I share your picture with her and I was like of course uh, um, and it, it happened to be a very like impromptu last minute selfie that I took while I was like working so like yeah this is the picture I was like that's not what I expected when she said I was gonna share a picture but um that's yeah so I love the selfie and yeah <laughs> I appreciate you saying yes to it and so funny she's definitely I, I love her so much and she means so much to me and that it's it's really fascinating to see in Chinese culture, how sometimes people are a bit more reserved um, from what I've read and learned yeah. um, in terms of emotions and whatnot. And mm -hmm. poor young, poor young Lee, she saw me cry all the time. And um, like, so I appreciate that she was looking out for me and mm -hmm. I know she's looking out for, for all of us. So it's, it's very special. Yeah, because I think I had heard also through the grapevine that you were going back, but we weren't, we didn't really talk too much yet about like your adoption stuff. Because I knew you went the first time and then I heard you went the second time. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to like 
be like, hey, Lindsay, let's talk about your trip to China right after it happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when she said there's this person in New York, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Lindsay. And it was. And I was like, that's kind of wild. That's so wild. I felt that way as well. Um, Both, you know, I was with Young Lee. uh, I was with the reporter. And she had told me that she was talking to multiple um, adoptees in New York. And she was like, you should be friends. And I, she had shared a little bit about what she was working on. And I was like, whenever, if ever um, the New York adoptee feels comfortable, I'm happy to have you uh, introduce us. But I think she probably has a lot on her plate and on her mind. And so when the timing is right, uh, I'm happy to, to do that. So thank you. But she was She's so funny. She, the reporter will tell me a lot. Lindsay, when the melon is ripe, things happen. And I was, <laughs> I used to get so annoyed um, because I was like, I hear you and I appreciate the sentiment, but you know, there's so much eager and desperation of wanting to find the people who are connected to our roots. And so mm-hmm. I was like, how long is it going to take for this cantaloupe? <laughs> and, yeah, whatever melon you're referring to. Yeah, I was picturing a cantaloupe every time she would say it. Um, and in like in Chinese, it sounds so beautiful. Um, and when she would translate it, I would just be like, I'm picturing a cantaloupe and I hear you <laughs> and I respect you, but I need I need a little. It's like I want, yeah. I think because yeah. uh, when I guess that was just like planting the seed. If we're, we're really going into our analogies with plants, but it still fits. Um, when she planted that seed, I think from there, I kind of just steamrolled. And because um, that's what happened when I first found out about Katie, because we she had posted something on Facebook as well, which I don't use ever. And it was like seven or eight months after she had posted that I somehow discovered it in, back in like 2017 or 2018, because um, I was going to China myself just to like go back to the orphanage and see where I came from type of thing. And people, I feel like, ask a lot. It's like, did you like have a plan or like was there something that happened that led you to like want to go back and I honestly said it was like for me I don't know for you I'm curious to know because I think it would help like give insight for other adoptees is like I don't think there was like necessarily a catalyst like of an event per se but I think it was just like me getting a little bit older like I was turning 25 I was like I'm kind of more curious about this I've always had the option to like get my papers my papers quote-unquote like what I have and like go back and visit. So I think it just was like a maybe it's part of growing. But I don't know if like that, but it sounds like similar to what I take from knowing Katie and knowing you. Like what I know is like you could both share this like strong passion and desperation to know like your roots and where you came from. And I sense that in both of you when I was like met, because uh she wasn't at the Katie wasn't at the fireside event, but I kind of sense that. Um, so after like the seed was planted by the reporter, also known as like Young Lee, she um I like took that. I was like, wait a minute. So like Lindsay's in China, Katie's here, we're all connected by this reporter. And like what I what I know about you, what little I knew about you, but what I lot I know about Katie, I was like, these two need to meet. Because it's just I can tell like there is this like connection that they both share related to like their search. And their like family and everything in their roots where like I personally like don't have that as strong of like a pool. And it varies for everybody. I always like talk about this with people. And some people have no interest in all, some people do. And it's like, well, I sense that with like both of you and your own separate conversations too. 
Um, and that's when I was like, you guys have to meet. So it was on, I think it was four days after you got back. Also happened to be like my 30th birthday. Katie was like, spent, we were spending it together. And I was like, hey, I think you need to meet Lindsay now. <laughs> She's like, no, no, it's like your birthday. We don't have to. It's like, no, no, no. Like you guys need to meet. And I feel like the rest was history after that too. <laughs> Oh, it's been yeah. two months now, yeah. Because it's November. It's November fourteenth. Oh my gosh, yeah. um, that was September. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was such a special day. I felt like you know I wasn't yeah. able to go to your birthday celebration. I think the weekend prior, I was out of town, and so to be able to see you um, as you enter into a new decade, that mm-hmm. also was so special. And I know it comes with weighted feelings of birthdays and what that could bring. And oh, so. Yeah. To give you a big hug and to see you in your birthday sash was such a <laughs> was such a treat. Yeah, I appreciate you being such a connector because I think you as well, similar to Young Lee, you're you're able to see these opportunities um, mm-hmm. between people. And I, yeah, getting to know Katie, who does have this similar attachment to Young Lee and just her own experience, which has been such a privilege to to learn both of yours in your independent paths and then where they intersect, of course, as mm-hmm. well. Um, but for me, I think I've just had this, um, when I was younger, I don't know if I would say that I had this deep, deep desire, um, at least not in the forefront of my psyche. I know it was there. I would say I I really started just learning about or wanting to to be curious. And I want to, I studied psychology and communications and I think Katie oh, did as well. Yeah. She okay. studied psychology. Yeah, and, you and, both and did. My, okay. Okay. <laughs> and my roommate, my roommate studied psychology. Oh my so gosh. Like, we, we got some psych people. Oh. Um, and so <laughs> I think I just, I was so desperate to learn about the whys and I've mm. always been trying to lead with like, why did this happen? And I know it can be such a fine line of going down these spirals of the whys, but I do think for me, I was just curious of like, what did the place that I grew up or was born in, what did that look like? Uh, What would another life potentially have looked like? And what is it like knowing a bit more about the people who are so integral in my roots and in in my beginning story? And so, yeah, I I think for this Mm. trip, it was right time, right place. The melon was ripe in some, in some ways. Um, and so meeting young Lee, it was, it was really special, but I think to even take it one step back. So I had arranged and I had gone solo to, to China, um, Mm. in past iterations, I actually was supposed to go with other people. And so Mm. I think this also felt like the right thing for me to do. Um, but it was hard. It was hard traveling alone in China. Um, Oh yeah. And so much anxiety that built up. And so I do think that that is so valid and real. If anybody else is feeling that, just please know you're truly not alone. Um, In my quest or search back in 2018 and 2020, I had really worked with my old adoption agency, which has since closed. And so Mm. 2020 was actually their last year. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this would be happening that, um, you know, they this, the red thread is severed and they won't want to help me. Mm. Um, but I ended up arranging a, a translator who became really like a sister to me in many ways as well. And I um, had to fly her from Beijing. Um, and so that was also just 
Mm. It takes a lot of financial resources to do something like this. Yeah. And so I think that's also worth acknowledging um, about how cumbersome it is and so many details of just not knowing. And so for us, she came only for two days. And, you know, I, if it's okay, I'm happy to share a little bit about kind of what that search process was like. Yeah. Um, and so she had come for two days. I had spent my first day in China, my adoption day, just trying to, I took a tour. I took a tour and I was able to just get a little bit of a lay of the land and a bit more history of somebody sharing it with me and trying to familiarize myself with the city. And then the first day with um, with, a, with the reporter, as well as with my translator who goes by Viola um but she and I um we met and we became really close I remember that day we tried to go we went to the train station which is where I was allegedly left at the time and I had mm. a hard time really contextualizing what that could be like because I know that there are sometimes fabrications um in those stories and so for me um I eventually got there and it was it was really emotional to to be there and this train station now has been rebuilt and so it's mm. this ginormous station and so even yeah. trying to contextualize what it would have been like back then was was tricky um yeah. but but definitely special and so then after that we had um tried to go to my social welfare institute and unfortunately weren't able to um to go in and that's that's a weighted mm. grief in of itself because I was hoping to see some of the documents that I had had, but a lots of reframing on this trip and lots of reframing, I think, in in my adoptee experience and the way I I view it. But from there, we then went to the hospital. Um, and on our way to the hospital, I was in the ICU as a baby when my mm -hmm. when I met my parents for the first time. And so I was there for a week with pneumonia. Um, and so I really wanted to try and meet any doctors and nurses that took care of me. Right. Um, and on the way there, Young Lee had said, um, I got in touch with the orphanage and you were left with a note and mm. it confirms your birthday. And I have many feelings about my birthday. Mm. And so it was really in disbelief. I remember sitting between um, the reporter and my translator just being like, yeah. I feel like in a really overstimulated in disbelief. And she said, you, we also were able to find the man who found you and tomorrow you're going to meet him. <laughs> and, <laughs> that seems uh, very, yeah. <laughs> so it was very intense all at once. Um, and again, such a privilege. Definitely want to be cognizant of that, of course. Um, but after that, I had the opportunity to meet doctors and nurses um, who had taken care of me and the nurse actually had been holding on to a photo that my parents oh. had given her um, and so I had had one and she had had one and we both oh, wow. saw what the other had and so it was just very moving and at that mm -hmm. point in my journey I was like I could leave and feel really satisfied of mm -hmm. just how emotional it was and these again just people that have have known me um at, at a different time yeah um yeah and then the next day I went and I got to meet the man who found me and that was incredibly emotional 
He's 80. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, time was fast, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 80 in his 80s. And my, my adoptive dad is also in his 80s. And mm-hmm. so it was very emotional and felt I felt very pulled, even though mm-hmm. I was trying to be just so present there. Uh, but it was not lost on me that they were the same sort of age. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I, yeah, as I met him, I remember us driving down in the car in this narrow street and then getting out and seeing his huge smile. He mm. had a really big smile and we had gone to his apartment for for tea um, and fruit. And he had pulled out a letter from that they suspected was from my my birth mother. I'm starting to learn that letters are more common of, of some sorts of letters at times, whether yeah. it's sort of the birthday that is left or whether it's a specific uh, written letter. And I had no idea about this at the time mm. and until that trip. And so it was really intense again, but getting to hold the letter, see the re- letter and have it translated. It was just yeah, it was it was a lot. Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, because it seems like the preparation for all that was like, hey, you have 12 hours because you're going to encounter it tomorrow, <laughs> um, which is very, I feel like it's a very journalistic, just very like matter of fact, not just culturally, like Chinese culture. I think that's like just journalists. They're like, all right, this is happening. Um, mm-hmm. Not yeah. realizing also the emotional aspect undertone, but they also care in their own way, too. Definitely. I felt like I I tried to capture as much as possible. Um, that mm. was another piece of advice um, to whether journal or voice memo or for mm. me, I, I recorded myself. And so I have all these recordings of yeah. myself on a selfie and I just I I'm slowly starting to rewatch them. It's okay. still really hard. But yeah, it was it was definitely really intense and just learning a bit more about the contents of the letter and yeah just what it what it brought up I think was mm. was just a lot to hold yeah I think it's uh it's tough because I've heard that too about like fabrication of letters I think someone had like kind of said something in, in a Facebook group about that when I was like oh there was this letter and I think it was an adoptive parent that was like most of those are fake and I was like okay thanks for that <laughs> but it's still part of our stories is what I say too. like any anything that's going on in like all of our journeys. It's like it's still part of our stories. It doesn't seem like that was fabricated because the person who found you, you got to meet. So they they like had that with them. Like the orphanage didn't have that. Right. I think it was like the person did. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. He had been holding on to it all these years. Um, And yeah, essentially what had happened there was a woman who was in the waiting hall and a woman with a baby sat down next to her and they think it may have been my birth mother or an aunt. And mm. this woman had sat there for a little while and then said, I have to use the restroom. Do you mind holding my baby? And she never came back. And mm. so I think from there was really this, this scramble because the woman had to go get her train. And so she had handed Uh, me to another staff worker at the time um, and then who handed me to Uncle Swen, um, the police Mm. officer or officer um, who had um, who had kind of found me. And then eventually he had brought me to the orphanage. 
And when he returned, he had found all of these contents of sort of um, formula of cloth diapers um, and also this letter. And so mm. he had just tucked it away and put it in a safe space. And, you know, I think it's been really, really interesting to see um, to see it and to, and to learn a little bit more the news group they did test it with experts to try and see its validity and everything and so yeah. you know oh. I think some of the things in the content of the letter yeah I, a new name um and so when I introduced myself with three names um to Ting is or Ting Ting is what um how how it's written in the letter addressed to me and mm. that is a name that I'm still trying to figure out to what degree I reclaim and so mm. for me I feel sometimes I'm undeserving of it and I know I'm combating that a lot um but I think we're all just so deserving of more pieces to our story and I think to your first question if we do decide to search or whatever whatever our reclamation is with China or our relation with our birth countries I think just honoring that and for me it really was just wanting to learn more about my origins and mm. the food the people curious if people look like me um and and just trying to to feel at ease and at home and definitely as I was in China I felt I hold a lot of tension in my neck and mm. so I just felt my body untense and I felt myself really be able to mm. just again kind of surrender to the experience and try and focus on on the here and now and I wasn't working while I was there so that may have also contributed to not being stressed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but really yeah that that's probably the main reason just learning more about me wow I'll probably put a break in here you'll go back anytime soon I feel like you definitely will go back but it's a matter of like when not necessarily going back in general yeah good question I think um yes I really the last time I went I had more waves of grief um mm -hmm. in September and probably more more anger of not being able to speak the language. I think the first time I had contextualized or reframed in my mind that this wouldn't be possible. Um, my Chinese is, is not good. I need a lot of work, um, but it's a complicated relationship with adoptees. And um, and so I'm yeah trying to take it slow, but I would like to go back. I really would. I, I really would like to live there at some point in my life. Mm. And if I can't live there, if I can't find a job there at some point, it really would be to travel for for an extended period of time. I think what I'm struggling with now is just all of the time that was lost and um, all of the amazing places, foods, just the mm, cultural yeah. experience. And so China is huge. And I feel like I only scratched the surface on, mm. on some of these places. And you know, I was able to meet people that grew up in China, were born in China, and China for many of them is all they've ever known. And yeah. they just opened their hearts to me and their homes as well. And so, you know, whether I was 
having this opportunity to meet Uncle Swen or even going to my translator's home with her family in Beijing, it just felt like really special. And so I, I'm holding a lot onto those experiences because I feel like every person I met really altered my heart in, in many different ways that it's hard to yeah. describe. And yeah, I crave more time with them and more time in China. So mm. yes, I just don't know when I feel like <laughs> it's financial resources and time. It's, mm. it's hard. What about oh, you? Yeah. Um, ooh. Well, I'm going to be going to Asia in four months, five months. And the thought to go back to China was there, but I opted to pass for now. And I think that's mostly because I feel like going to China, I would want to make that its own trip, not necessarily be like the part of a trip, like the tail end of something, because um, traveling after such amount of, for like a certain amount of time, I think you get tired. So I think going to China for me would have been like an afterthought. And it's like, no, I don't want to like treat China in that way. Um, I also have, I don't talk about it too much, but it's like, it's, it's, a, it's also interesting too because my dad has a connection my adoptive dad has a connection to China he actually speaks the language pretty well believe it uh, believe it or not and that has definitely been like something that I've been comprehending too it's like my adoptive father speaks Chinese Mandarin very well and it's like not something I really speak uh, but recently I think just with like events going on in China and the political aspect like he's doesn't like it as much anymore he's like I don't think I'll be going back which is almost a little bit sad because when I was growing up, he was always very like passionate towards it. So I don't know if like maybe in time, like he'll feel better about it. But I think hearing that too, as we are like, as we are connecting in our own way, my dad and I, my mom and I, my brothers, there's a whole other, <laughs> this all happened in the past week. So it's like, uh, that's a whole other aspect of like hearing about other people's take on it does in a way sort of like impact my thought about it. Because everybody has a different feeling. So, but I definitely was like, oh, if I go back, I would want that to be its own trip. Like, I would want to go to Shanghai because I haven't been there. Probably go back to the hometown, home city, and be more intentional with like the search. And I think I would do what you did, which is like go by myself, like completely solo. Whereas when I went last time, uh, my dad was there. And it was a very nice moment for both of us. And I know he like understands, but he doesn't like talk about it too much. Uh, like the adoption aspect of even his own story yeah I think I was like I would want to make that its own trip and I I don't know if it would be not in the next four months <laughs> I'll be going somewhere else but maybe like in 2024 there might be an opportunity or 2025 but I was like because uh. when I went the first when I went for like going because I've been back to China before but not not necessarily for like the orphanage or the welfare institute I didn't, re I wasn't really as intentional. Like I didn't meet with any reporters. I didn't meet with anybody at that time. I don't think I did. I just like went back and it was like, you had to schedule an appointment and everything. And there was also a note that was presented to me, much smaller note. So I actually did get that tattooed. Yeah. I don't think I would get a whole letter. <laughs> That's that, that seems really painful actually. So <laughs> um, just like a little part, little note that did confirm a birthday. Uh, and I was like, this is plenty. I think it fulfills what I need right now. And I think I just have to go through, I was talking this to Katie, but I was like, I feel like this process that you've been going through and still going through 
it's like it was presented to you at the time that it's being presented because I don't think you were ready until now. Like what's going on now is because you're ready. I don't know if you would have been ready for this then. <laughs> I don't know if, if how people yeah. feel about that, but that's my take too. It's like, I just, this like instinct, the pool of like going back in four months to me, it's like, that doesn't seem like it would serve its purpose in the way it should. Yeah. I really appreciate how open and honest you are about your relationship to returning. And it seems like you're so self-aware of what might come up and sort of how much time it seems like you want to allocate towards what is a big trip. And I I can really appreciate just vulnerable you are. So thank you. And it's very cool that you're going to, to Asia. I know that <laughs> You're running another marathon. It's very yeah. cool. Um, but I think it's it's interesting what you brought up around um, just the intentionality of it, because I think that there is definitely this consideration of the feeling of when you're ready and kind of what are your goals and what do you want to get out of it? And so mm -hmm. if it is a birth search, if it is to just connect with the culture, I think that there is just such a plethora of ways that you could go. And it really is only, it's not a one size fits all model and it really is so individualized. And so I think the way that, you know, it seems like you're approaching and uh, just thinking so intentionally, it's it's really cool. And I hope others are able to to learn from you mm -hmm. um, and also just learn from, from one another and the resources that are out oh, there. Yeah. The people's perspectives on China, I also think is really interesting. <laughs> I think for me, I had so many people that were saying even like, kind of like microaggressions about China and even my desire to go there. And I found it really off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like random people, whether at work or just weird, weird spaces. And yeah, I, I think only we know. And I think having more context and more information is always a benefit, but I think only we can decipher sort of what unsolicited oh, yeah. advice we want to exactly. take with us. Um, because at the end of it all, like that is where we, that is what we are. <laughs> like we are Chinese. So everybody has their takes on, I mean, everybody has their take on the simplest matters too, but it's just like, I mean, that's where we are. Like that, you know, like that is who we are. We are we are people that were that are Chinese. We may not grow up in that culture, but you know, and that's like a yeah. yeah. But I can I can definitely see how like living there might be. I'll have to connect you to this adoptee. She hasn't <laughs> moved yet. <laughs> um, but speaking of connecting, yeah, I definitely think this is like revisiting. It's going backwards a little bit, but it's it's kind of one of those things that I think I'm learning to embrace. I feel like this is one of those changes that I'm like feeling of like I am somebody who can help connect people and at times like those connections have grown stronger out, apart from me and at, there was a time and I know we talked about this but like there was a time where it just felt like oh I feel insecure and like really jealous that like the people that I've connected have like formed a really strong bond but I sense that so it's like you can't be like upset about that um, but it's happened over the years and I think coming into like more recent times and like growing I feel like, you know what, this is like, I think this is like a purpose that I serve or like, that's why I'm here. And like being able to connect people when I feel like there's something to connect 
um that's something to be proud of it's like it's not something that i should like internalize because it's, it's really not about me but <laughs> it's just kind of like this is about a big greater thing like uh, I think that really roots to like why I started doing the podcast. Yes, it was for my own interest of like working through adoption stuff and like family conflict. Uh, but it also was like as a result, I have been able to be like, hey, um, some people here might actually I know somebody you should speak with. And like then I think as a result, like some connections have happened through the the podcast, the the Chinese adoptee podcast, quote unquote, because um, I think we all do find connections through like groups and stuff. Um, but it is kind of cool to think of it like this podcast has also been like another resource that has connected some of us in some ways. Um, we connected from AK, but it's like podcast too, do I know? Absolutely. Um, I yeah. feel like I've anecdotally heard, you know, that anecdotally, and I know that there is some research coming out or is out around that Holly is, is leading with um, lots of partners, but around the mapping the life course of adoptee. Mm adoption project and um i know that there was this call out of how much people are engaging with uh different content whether podcast film um mm -hmm. different different through the through the metaverse or through different oh avenues. yeah and so i think all that you're doing is is incredibly important and so thank you for doing it and thank you for connecting me from both an in-person and allowing me to be on your podcast yeah. i feel really touched that you would um you would invite me and yeah, anything that always comes up, you know, I think we talked mm -hmm. about this, but what you had mentioned around attachment or around like insecurities that you had come up, I think that they're incredibly valid. And as mm -hmm. adoptees, um, attachment is is so fragile. And yeah. I think it's something that we're all, or I know at least I am also working through. And so appreciate you naming that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just to build off of like, community um being such a huge part of how we've met and mm, where we yeah. where we spend a lot of our time mm -hmm. um i think adoptee community is so powerful and so whether it is through a facebook group an instagram group right all, all meta um or if it's sort of these communities um that are in specific metropolitan areas or different um states yeah. um i know for me and again, I, I will say any views are, are my views. They're not views of, of the org, but <laughs> I know that it's been such a sacred space to find also known as and to feel really nurtured um, by community members um, in really being able to both share vulnerably, but also have um, hold the space for them as they process and heal. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's again, that moment by moment, but to be with community um, in in nurturing the growth even as we go through it in an independent journey i think is really really mm -hmm. so special oh yeah and i it's always with um i mean therapists too that i speak with not an adoptee therapist but still really good match she she was like your feelings are already valid why do you feel like you need other people to validate them and i was like what and she's like okay so it's like you're feeling this feeling and it's completely valid but it seems like you're seeking that other people reaffirm those feelings and whatnot. And I was like, yeah. And I, I think I was like combating it too a little bit, but it's like, I just feel like sometimes I have these feelings and they are valid, but when surrounding people or other people kind of like almost make it, make you feel like you can't feel that, or it's like not real. 
um, I think that's where I was like having trouble and that's probably led to my meltdown when we were supposed to record. <laughs> it's like, she's like, you don't need the validation of others to like verify what you feel. And I was like, I guess it just is like, because community is so important. Um, it wasn't the adopted community. It was a whole different community where I did encounter that, where a lot of people within the community, because of whatever their own thing they're going through, almost made it seem like, like what is it like? I guess it's gaslighting in a way, but like it seemed very like gaslighting in a way of like, it's not a big deal. You shouldn't feel that way. And I was like, that's hard to like encounter. And I think that's another one of those, like, this is something I really have to like learn and grow from because when the time comes and it will eventually, um, I want to be like ready. I don't want to be like not ready in a way. And I think that's to each our own, our own like awareness of like what is ready and what isn't ready. So I was like, I had to go through this tough community breakup in a way <laughs> or me breaking up from it in a sense, as my therapist of eight months can attest to. <laughs> hey, eight months too. <laughs> hey, therapy, they deserve so much praise. Oh yeah. Therapists. Um, and it's very cool that you've already been channeling some of the the learnings or many of the learnings exactly. that you will, but they've all been in front of you and inside of you. And yeah. so it's, you know, all of the things that you feel are incredibly valid. You don't need me to say this, but I do think <laughs> it's always a good reminder exactly um, for, for all of us that everything yeah. we're going through is super valid. And um, it takes so much work to commit towards healing. And I think the fact that again, how I perceive you're stepping into, mm -hmm. um, the commitment to heal. That's really cool. And yeah, I'm curious. And I am going to ask the question to the podcast host, you know, <laughs> um, what has been your, your greatest sense of, of healing or what has helped along the journey of what you've been going through? Ooh, I would say it's going to be a running comparison, but I think there's some truth to it because it takes a lot of dedication, honestly, to train for any type of race, especially the longer the distance too. And it's also in personal experience, but I do think with like every up, there's a down. Every hill you go up, there's a downhill. Um, and I think that in itself has really helped me process like taking time away from a community, learning that I don't need it or it no longer serves me and not going back. But it's like, it was a really hard low. And there's sometimes they keep coming back unexpectedly, knowing that there's a down and there's ups and they're always going to be up and downs in life because that is life, um, which I think therapists are like, yeah, that's what we've been saying the whole time. <laughs> um, but also realizing it's like, you have to be like gentle to yourself, like be kind. You'll make decisions and things will happen but it's okay. Like, don't beat yourself up for it. And I think I know personally, like growing up too, I would definitely beat myself up pretty hard for like, sometimes really silly things. It was like, I didn't do well on a test. I know that's like a cliche, but it's true. Like I beat myself up for that. And I know it's like, my parents are like, it's, it's okay. Like you're not going to be using this math in 14 years. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's true. But I don't know. I think as I've gotten older, and maybe with the help of like therapy and other things, it's like knowing that there's those ups and downs, even in a marathon too. Okay. Like running that marathon in itself, seeing you guys was definitely an up. And I, I understand why people come. That's why I keep thinking about the, you are not alone. Cause I think about how if you're by yourself, like you can go far, but with communities and other people supporting you, you go further. So I think it's like 
knowing the ups and downs and also like realizing like there are communities that will welcome you that you don't have to work so hard to like be welcomed in and that was like part of the realization that's like helped me really like navigate through this because it was I'd say it's like a pretty tough year <laughs> year yeah that's still gonna be a little bit longer before I feel like I'm really back on my feet in a well I'll physically be back on my feet because I'll be training but like in the in the other sense too but yeah I would say ups and downs and you know yeah. it's a uh, Find those, find those communities that welcome you, not the ones where you have to try so hard. It's like, that's not a welcoming community for you. Yeah. Yeah. The communities that help you grow perhaps, um, and allow you to be authentically yourselves are definitely exactly. the way I've framed of the communities that I want to be a part of, um, that, mm -hmm. that see me fully, even in my mess <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm messy for sure. Well, I love the metaphor of the marathon and mm -hmm. I I think it's so cool that you've been able to find the nourishing and nurturing things for, for Tara, um, mm -hmm. past, present and future of yourself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very cool. Um, I think for, if okay to share, mm -hmm. I, I think just to build back into building off of what you had said of finding the safe spaces, um, there was a a recent adoptee healing arts retreat that just happened yeah and it was the inaugural one and it was uh really incredible it was put on by three transracial adoptees all actually international as well and they they really led it with their own strengths and programs and and businesses and so it was really so special to sit in it and i think to to your point, community can be so special. Adoptee community leader leadership positions. Um, sometimes it's all about putting on the programming, mm -hmm. whereas this was such an intentional. I want to be Lindsay, the participant. I want to really mm -hmm. not have any of these extra sort of. I know they they all come in obviously these other lenses, um, but I think it was really helpful. Um, to just get in touch a bit more with like my body, my mind. And um, even, you know, with Reiki, it was such a spiritual experience mm. and I never done that before. And I definitely found myself, yeah, crying um, and, yeah. and even writing about it the next day during the creative writing piece of the, of the retreat. Yeah. I think finding what works, whether it's running or intentional adoptee safe yeah. spaces, okay. Or like, yeah, I, I feel like yoga has been a really big restorative mm -hmm. place for me. I'm just regrounding. I think that's been trying to be my, yeah. my my common thing from the past couple of years of how do I just devote some time to me and recognize that there's strength inside of me. And I know that takes a lot of reframing, mm -hmm. but I think these spaces, community and therapy, gosh, love therapy, um, <laughs> really, really special. Yeah, I'm really glad. I appreciate you sharing that part too. And I definitely think you speak so humbly about it, but to go on that journey alone physically is got to be a terrifying thing. And I was like, that's amazing. It was like real respect there too, to do that and to have done it twice too. And probably oh, the future. I don't know if that if you will, but <laughs> but this was definitely a huge 
this was a really good, really good conversation. I always learn more about people too. That's also why I really like to do this too. Because we've had our conversations outside of this, but it's like, whoa, I guess you've shared a lot of wisdom and advice too, but is there anything you would want to hear or learn from other Chinese adoptees experiences? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I would love to learn from adoptees experiences or specifically Chinese adoptees is just sort of the ways in which maybe we've each connected to our birth country and culture. I think Mm. for me, it's still something that I'm navigating. I Mm, I can appreciate China so much and so deeply and see it for all that it is and all that it offers. But I've been so appreciative to meet some adoptees in in China um, that are living there who have leaned into different cultural um, practices. And it's been really inspiring. And I know that folks in New York as well, of course, um, that I've connected to, but I'd love to to hear sort of what, what people have done, where they found it. Um, I know I've recently was looking into like, where can I do Tai Chi in New York? Mm. Um, I think I sometimes feel like that space is not for me to occupy. Um, and I know that it is, it's for all of us and we are Chinese enough, um, to, to yeah. be there, but, yeah, I think that would be helpful. And, you know, I think just in terms of what you said of just rehearing other folks, you know, share about their journeys is the greatest gift. And there's no pressure or expectations to share. Um, but when when you do and when you get to connect with people like you, it really is such a a beloved gift um, to to learn about people's experiences so so intimately. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good conclusion for this episode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so also known as it can be followed at. Yes, I think. OK, <laughs> I think it's. um Yeah, you can follow also known as that also dot known. OK, this dot as Inc on Instagram, I believe. For those that don't know, we are. Um, adoptee founded and adoptee led organization based in New York, and we were founded in 1996 um, for international adoptees. And so, definitely encourage you to to come and to find and be in in the comfort of community if you feel comfortable. Whenever that is on your mm-hmm. journey, you can find me at Lynn's Geyer on Instagram as well. Yeah. Yay! Thanks, Wonderful. Tara. <laughs> Thank you. Well, bye for now. I noticed I just kept saying that, but it's true. It's like, bye for now. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. And I do hope to like stay connected with people that I um, talk with on the podcast and they find each other too. Thank you for listening to ABC Adoptees Born in China podcast. You can find me at adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbeesbornandchinapod on Instagram and Facebook. Yay. Yay, I'll see you on Saturday. (laughs) Yeah.